coming up next in The Ziggler Show. I was thinking about my daughter. She was really young at the time when I was at this job. And I was thinking, if my daughter had this job when she's my age, how would I feel? Would I feel proud of her? Or would I feel maybe like she was selling herself short? And for me, she was selling herself short. So that's when I realized I need to, to, make, to make a move. And I, I think often we get so locked into how something feels in terms of like, is it scary? Is it uncomfortable? That we choose the, the easier path. And as a pro- in the process, sell ourselves short. And I think that if you can separate the decision from you, the person, the solution will often appear. Welcome to The Ziggler Show. I'm your host, Kevin Miller. On The Ziggler Show, my focus is getting to the root of personal and business development by digging into what actually helps us change, transform, and achieve the progress we feel called to and the fulfillment we truly desire. Here, I bring today's most influential people onto the show and take captive the core issues of human performance and have conversations about what really matters to our individual lives. Today, I'm back with Ron Friedman, Renee psychologist and author of Decoding Greatness, How the Best in the World Reverse Engineer Success, where he takes aim at the concept that greatness is made up of only talent and or hard work. You can catch us discussing it all in episode 955 of The Ziggler Show. But today we walk through his habits for success, which as you heard in the intro, showcase how he personally decodes his life and gets different perspectives on even this, his habits. Habits. It's an interesting discussion to hear what perspectives drove him to work for himself as he assessed the risk was greater to work for someone else. We'll be talking about this further over at kevinmiller.co in my Driven to Live community. You can go from listening to this podcast episode to discussing and implementing the principles. Well, next up, I'm with psychologist Ron Freeman. Well, I'm going to start off, Ron, where I have been having fun lately. Uh, just it's so curious to me. So in the past, however long, but what if you look at the habits of your day and your health and wellness or relationships or mental or finance or spiritual or in your business or something that you do personally, is there anything specific where you have made uh, you know, a significant or made an addition or heck made a deletion or just changed something uh, from the norm. Oh man, there's so many that I can give you. Um, but I'll, I'll start off by, by giving you some context. So I used to work within the corporate world and working in the corporate world. One of the things that I was really pressured to do is to deliver all the time, be in on meetings, no regard for lunch or, uh, you know, personal nutrition in any kind. But while I had that job of working in the corporate world, I was really into racquetball. And so I, and I still am into racquetball a little bit. COVID has taken a hit, uh, racquetball has taken a hit because of COVID, but uh, I still like to to exercise a great deal, especially with racquetball. And so one of the things I started to notice with myself is that how I performed on the racquetball court really was impacted by what I ate for lunch. And at the time, I had no idea that this would be a thing because for me, food was just fuel. The, ultimately, just your job was just to give yourself energy so you can crank out more work. And so the quickest thing to do at the time was just to get in my car, go through the McDonald's drive through get something really delicious, be back on my desk 20 minutes later, get back to work. 
And uh, what I started to realize over time, not through an intentional experiment of any kind, it was just kind of like just something that I just happened to notice is that if I ate crap for lunch, I would, lo- I would lose three points on my game when I played wow. singles. Wow. And so just realizing that led me to make smarter decisions around food. And now I'm all, you know, I've actually, it, it really opened my eyes to the power of nutrition on the way we think and led me to create a program that uh, is called the Peak Performance Formula. I've now put thousands of people through it. And it starts off with nutrition, talks about sleep, talks about uh, exercise, all of the basic physical needs that we have as individuals that we tend to ignore because work ultimately um, separates us from our bodily needs and we neglect them. But often that is the quickest path to elevating your performance is taking care of your body, not necessarily working harder or even, you know, being smarter about your calendar. The more you can take care of your body, the, the faster you will perform at work. So what's lunch look like today? Normally. Salad, protein, uh, a little bit of carbs. Uh, honestly, it's, it's a well-rounded lunch, but what I avoid are anything fried. I avoid anything really heavy, anything fatty or greasy. I'm not, you know, I wouldn't say I'm like a religious, like it's got to be three parts this, one part that. Uh, you know, I, I feel like I, I like to eat good food and uh, I'm proud of that. I'm not going to change that about myself. But, you know, for example, it, it, often it's the fries that get you. It's not the burger. You know what I mean? So it's like those little things. If you can stay away from anything that takes a long time to physically digest, you're thinking will not take as much of a hit. Yeah. So exercise on that front, is racquetball your main go-to or do you have some other things that you're doing to get yourself moving? Yeah. So I mentioned COVID. So because of COVID, we have now had to shift to like outdoor sports. So pickleball, I don't know how many of your listeners are familiar with pickleball, but pickleball is kind of a sensation now around yeah, it the United is. States. It is. Uh, if, you, if you're not familiar with pickleball, it's kind of like if tennis and ping pong had a baby, it might look like pickleball. It's played with a wooden paddle and a wiffle ball. And the court's a little bit smaller than an actual tennis court. The net's a little bit lower. It's very strategic. And that is what my goal is in, in, in exercise is not just to do physical things, but to also do physical things that involve thinking. If you could do both of those things together, I think that the, the evidence shows is that there's far reaching benefits that extend beyond just the physical movement. Um, Beyond that though, I mean, we talked about nutrition. The other thing that I've changed about my habits more recently uh, is in part due to the Apple watch that I now wear, which allows you to track all these meaningless metrics about yourself, but uh, I'm kind of obsessed with it. And one of the, one of the things that I'm really um, that I've tracked really carefully is my sleep. And one of the things that I have found is that there's a leading indicator that determines the quality of my sleep. And it's not one that I would have thought about prior to me getting an Apple watch. And that leading indicator is water consumption. So the more water that I consume over the course of the day within limits, of course, but being really, really hydrated actually improves the amount of deep sleep I get. Now, I don't know if that's true for everyone. It's true for me. And knowing that about myself, I've now started to track the amount of water I consume on my Apple watch. And by doing that, by hitting my target, um, people think it's eight glasses of eight ounces a day. That's actually a misnomer. The uh, the true it, it depends on the weather. It depends on your weight. It depends on the degree of yeah. movement you have. You're a former athlete, so you know this. Uh, but most people don't realize it actually it needs to be attuned to you and the level of activity you're doing that particular day. But in my case, if I can hit 
around 100 ounces of water a day, uh, I tend to sleep much better than if I haven't. And it's because what happens is if you're not fully hydrated, you tend to be lazy. And if you tend to be lazy, you don't exercise. If you don't exercise, that leads to bad sleep. And so that is a leading indicator for me is, is, is water consumption. So interesting. I appreciate hearing the sleep. Real quick, just on the, you know, I'll call it exercise or movement. You talked about something that makes you think. You also have two activities, you talked about racquetball and pickleball that are social and they're things mm-hmm. that you have to, in essence, you're going to schedule with some other person. Is that a, is that just coincidence for you? Cause you just happen to like those or is that part of what you know, helps keep you doing those activities? In my case, it was coincidence because I like the competition. I really enjoy that. The social aspect for me was not the goal, but certainly a an unexpected uh, benefit. Yeah. And in fact, what research shows is that if you're looking to uh, establish a new routine and you want to keep to that routine, it is far better to involve other people because then if you don't show up, you're not just letting yourself down, you're letting someone else down. And that often becomes a lot more painful and you're less likely to do it. Beyond that though, um, what research shows tells us is that tennis tends to be one of the best sports you can ever take on. And it's because of that social aspect. And so you're going to show up for the exercise, but meeting new people and creating better friends, that is going to contribute to your health in ways that you might not have anticipated. And so as adults, I think it's really hard for people to make new friends after a certain age. And it's not because they're, maybe it is a little bit because they're boring, but (laughs) uh, it's it's in part because our schedules lock us into our routines that we just are so focused on getting the kids to bed, getting them to their practice. It's really hard to fit friends in. But if you make time for that physical exercise and you meet people around an activity, if you, if you can bond around that activity, the next step is easy. You just have to take them out of that context and take them somewhere else. So basically if you can, if you can go out with your pickleball buddies, or, you know, in your case, it might be, uh, I don't know if you're still cycling, but um, whatever it is that you're doing and invite your, 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 um, sport buddies out for a drink. Now you've taken them out of that original context and essentially you've created a friend. Yeah. I I'm grateful for social groups. I have, I don't have them within my sports and exercise because I go disappear out on a trail in the boonies riding or running uh, on that. But yeah, I mean, I appreciate that. And, and I know that by far and large for people, especially if you're struggling with exercise, I mean, that is the way to do it. Get with the group. It's, it's creating your own blue zone as Dan Butner would say, and get people yeah. who are like-minded and help you be accountable and give you some social outlets in there as well. Well, great foray right there then to ask you about the habits that you have in your life that do foster relationships, friends, family, whatnot. Maybe that's it right there. That's one of your answers is you uh, meet consistently for your sports. Uh, So yeah, tell us about what you're doing to foster good habits with relationships. You know, that's really interesting. It's a great question. One of the things that we've done over COVID and it's a little bit awkward at the beginning, but it really has sustained itself is I've got a bunch of friends who don't live near me and we just schedule lunch over Zoom. And it's, it's, you know, it's not the same thing as sitting down and going to a restaurant, but during COVID, you couldn't do that. So it's better than nothing. And in fact, it's a great way of catching up. And um, that was a practice that I continue to, do, to use today. Uh, I'm a big fan of it. Um, as far as um, social relationships, one of the things that I have found has suffered over COVID, and I don't know how many of your listeners can relate to this, but my daughter, she's a teenager, she's 14. 
And I think this is just the age where they just, <laughs> they, they lose their mind a little bit. And it's really hard to relate when you're not going on vacation together because that outing of doing something together, ideally physical, really bonds you. And so it was uh, a lesson that we had to learn at the beginning of COVID, but then we just started creating those days where even if it's just like a local outing to a a nature walk, um, but you really need those in order to strengthen your relationship with your children because you need to be side by side, not necessarily just like parent to child. Yeah, that was fun. We took our entire clan to the beach this year down in Florida and the amount of time we spent just out in the water. And we did lots of, you know, fun screwing around stuff and, and uh, swimming and exploring and whatever, but we spent an amazing time. There's a sandbar kind of out there further where the water's up at your neck, just hanging out and talking, just talking, you know, maybe you find a shell with your foot. And so yeah, having that experience, but as you said, even a physical one uh, helps. Yeah. There's something that you're doing as opposed to even just sitting there having dinner. Uh, it's yeah, interesting. It, it, and I'll tell you, I think people, when they think about vacations, they often think about the location. They say, okay, I want to go to yeah. Florida. I want to go to Turks and Caicos. But a better way to think about vacations is to start by asking yourself, what's the activity I want to be doing? And then work backward to identify the location. Because I think people have this assumption, if I just go to the Caribbean, I'm going to have a great time. What happens when you get to the Caribbean? Maybe you have a great time the first two days. By day three, you're bored. What are you supposed to do? <laughs> you're just sitting there at the beach, doing, reliving the same day over and over again. You come home from vacation, you don't remember anything about it besides sitting by the pool. But if you can let, uh, layer in different activities, especially ones that are exciting and involve that physical movement, that's much more likely to recharge you and contribute to better memories. Yeah, absolutely. We've had one of our favorite uh, couple vacations. We had everybody go to Airbnb and uh, somebody mapped out a, what is it? What is it? A four square uh, little court. I, I, we spent the majority of the vacation out there playing four square and we had, you know, guys, so you could have the super competitive stuff and then the little kids doing it. And I was, I felt just kind of goofy. We're not going to Disney world. There's nothing big happening. We're out here with chalk playing four square. Everybody just loved it. Uh, so good to hear that from you. How about mental in the mental arena of just your daily habits? I mean, mental health has never been talked about more than I think it is right now. So as you look at how you strive to keep your mental state and wellness where you want it to be. What are some of the habits around that? First of all, exercise. So if I don't exercise, that is going to be a really difficult night for me to fall asleep. I exercise every day for the purposes of sleep. It's not about being in shape or, you know, anything beyond that. It really is an investment in my future performance. That's how I view exercise. And having that reframing was really critical for me because it was very tempting while I was in the corporate world to just stick around uh, by my computer, answer a few more emails and just go right to dinner. But now I realize if I don't go to exercise, I'm not going to be my sharpest the next day. And so I don't feel guilty leaving the office to exercise. That's critical. Beyond that though, What I started doing, which um, wasn't always part of my routine, but has always played dividends, uh, is first thing I do after breakfast is I don't go to my email. I don't even start working. I read for 20 minutes, usually a business book. And what I have found is, and you can do this, you know, if you're on your way to work listening to a podcast like this, I find that it just elevates your thinking to a higher level, especially if you're reading a book that is one that is 
about the thing you should be doing, not necessarily the thing you have to do right now, just grounds you in that big picture thinking that contributes to better performance throughout the day. So often it really is about the inputs that we put into our brains. And it's not so much about, um, you know, uh, trying harder or putting in more time, but if you can find the right inputs and habitize them so that you're enjoying them day after day, you're gonna reap those rewards over time. And for me, it's just starting with reading. You are listening to The Ziegler Show and my talk with psychologist Ron Friedman about his habits for success. We'll be right back. Well, it reminds me of what you talked about in our first show together and that aspect of your quote there was you can't practice harder at something that you haven't considered. And so you're talking about giving yourself input into areas that you haven't considered. I, I think that's where I, yeah, it's where I get the biggest epiphanies. We all have fun getting confirmation bias, but I'm not learning from that. I'm just, uh, you know, patting myself on the back. Um, well, I'll tell you, no, anytime you find yourself thinking, man, I haven't had a good idea in a while, ask yourself, yeah. how much reading have you been doing? Because yeah. invariably those things correlate with one another. Yeah. And it's because ultimately it's not just because of the inputs of the book, but it's the time you spend consuming that information. This is the big secret. This is why I'm not a huge fan of, um, you know, often you'll see these online summaries of business books, read, you know, five minutes to read the whole book. I mean, what, what those summaries are leaving out is that the best ideas come in the, in the time you spend reading and reflecting on the information. So it really is more about the time you put toward sitting down, blocking out distractions and just being fully present for that text, that's where the ideas come from. It's not yeah. from the actual content of the book. And so that's why I think there's almost like a religious aspect to reading that you can't shortcut. Well, I, I appreciate you saying that too, because yeah, you're right. If I got the Cliff Notes version of your book, I would not have gotten the thing that I'm going to write about as soon as we're stop, we stop with this interview, because you know I, I keep talking about it prior to this, I just wrote out a new variation, a two and a half page, different version or different perspective on a business idea. And I'm going to go back in there and add what you talked about, because this is in the healthcare arena, and you talked about it in regards to tender and to what they're doing over here from a business mm-hmm. model. Wait a minute. That's what we're talking about doing is helping monitor be- people do some of this algorithmic work to then mm-hmm. help lead them to a healthier lifestyle that they're not able to figure out on their own. And so I wouldn't have gotten that with the Cliff Notes version. So yeah, it's the musing and the pondering. I'll go back and look at that. I talked about, you'll appreciate this too, when you talked about you know daily uh, uh, you know lunch as a relationship type thing. I get to sit down most days, five days a week with my, with my buddy, Randy, and we sit down and we talk about ideas. And so this lunch, we talked about your book and uh, <laughs> I didn't talk about that though. Cause it didn't totally occur to me till we were talking in the first show. So, all right, good call out there. How about spiritual? I know you're a faith-based guy. So what are some of your habits to bolster the spiritual side of your life, Ron? I'm not going to have a good answer for this. Okay, that's good. <laughs> uh, good. And I'll t- I'll tell you why. I'm I I don't consider myself a spiritual guy. I okay. uh you know, I'll, I'll I'll give you some background. So I uh what, I was born in Israel. I came to America when I was 7 years old. My dad got a job at NYU. He was a physician. He knew that his ability to move up in Israel was really limited. Really small country, wanted to have more opportunities, came to America, brought us here. I was 7 years old. Didn't speak the language. Was put 
in a yeshiva. Now, I don't know if you know what that is. It's a very religious Jewish school. I was not a very religious person. My parents are not religious, but they wanted me to hang around with other Jewish kids. So here I was, double outsider. Outsider doesn't speak the language, speaks with an accent to the extent that he knows any words, and isn't doesn't fit in culturally because doesn't follow the religion as uh, in an orthodox way. And that experience was just like not a good experience and really, um, uh, um, I don't want to say, it just it just turned me off to religion in a tremendous way because I was viewed as not good enough because I wasn't religious. And so yeah. for that reason, just was never a religious person. Uh, I met my wife in high school. She was the only other non-religious kid in the school. So she, wow. her parents came from Russia. So um, I, I don't know that... Um, I don't know that. I, I mean, I, I I do know from the research that there's a tremendous uh, uh, deal of value that comes from religion and having uh, faith-based groups and people in your life who can can help you with all kind of, kinds of things and you can relate with. That happens. You meet from through church and through synagogue. I was just never one of those people. Uh, so I'm so curious. You have no talk about. It. You didn't come here speaking language. You have zero accent in my. Yeah. perspective that's right Im- that didn't come I, easy i think no no you know i think it i think it sets in around 10 is when it's really hard really? to move that accent uh my wife has a little bit of an accent she came when she was 10 uh i don't notice it anymore i actually used to have a brooklyn accent and that went away when i came up to Rochester. maybe i'm just very versatile i, I, would, I was i was wondering between your upbringing, <laughs> your upbringing and where you live how do you talk i mean i talk to a lot of people on here so i usually yeah. pick out things and uh, it's impressive. All right. How about career? And you've, uh, you know, talking about career habits and you obviously have already talked about, you've had a significant shifts happen within your career. So I don't know how you want to address that. The things that you've done historically, things have obviously changed. So I, I don't know, you, you hit it wherever you want to on some of the career business work habits that you rely on. There's so many different ways I could take this. Here's one way, and hopefully this is valuable to folks, is for a long time, I never considered the idea of starting a business. It was really scary. It was tremendously scary, the idea of working for yourself. And I had this idea that if I worked for myself, that it would be really risky. And what I came to realize when I was working in that corporate world job that I mentioned is that working for someone else can actually be a lot more risky and working for yourself for yourself. And it's because I think there's this assumption that if I work for someone else, then all I have to do is do my job and I'll be safe. But the reality is that if the business does really, really well, the owner gets all the benefits, your salary stays the same. If the business does really, really poorly, then you're out of a job. So the reality is you're taking on all the risk, not the business. And uh, so in my case, I was fortunate enough where I was able to write a, a book proposal. I got that book proposal. This is for the best place to work. Uh, I got that book proposal sold. It didn't make a lot of money, but it was enough for me to quit my job and give it a shot. And the way that I thought about it, in terms of justifying this decision for myself, was I'm going to take a look, I'm going to take a hit in salary for for a year. I'm going to do my best to write the best possible book, and. Uh, it was really scary for a while because I had no idea what was going to happen. And I, it was a real significant chance that I would have to go back and take a real job <laughs> at, and by working for someone else. And the way that I justified that risk to myself was thinking about not how it felt for me in the moment, because that was not a very comfortable 
feeling, but by thinking about how would my kids view this portion of my life 20 years from now. And what I realized was that my kids would think, you know, dad, dad gave it a shot, did his best. And I'm proud of that. And even if it didn't work out, he tried. And that was freeing. That's what gave me that ability to take that risk and it, and it paid off well. I follow you in that so much, Ron. I've got, I've got a bunch of kids and without a, a long story there, one of the things that they have testified that's been the most inspirational example in their life is seeing me go after what inspires me. And it was really that that brought me to thinking that that's probably what I appreciate most in my childhood too. I got to see that. And so the idea of going after what I cared about, things that mattered to me that I found purpose in was just uh, on a silver platter. I got that and see, see my kids talk about that where I'm feeling like kind of guilty, you know, is risking being the provider and going after this thing that I really want to do. And they said, I've got older kids now. And they said, that's been one of the most inspiring things they've ever seen. They love to hear what I'm going after today. Yeah. I'll tell you the inverse of an exercise that was also helpful to me, realizing that it was time to take that risk. And that exercise was, I was thinking about my daughter. She was really young at the time when I was at this job. And I was thinking, if my daughter had this job when she's my age, how would I feel? Would I feel proud of her? Or would I feel maybe like she was selling herself short? And for me, she was selling herself short. So that's when I realized... I need to, to make to make a move. And I, I think often we get so locked into how something feels in terms of like, is it scary? Is it uncomfortable? That we choose the, the easier path. And as a pro, in the process, sell ourselves short. And I think that if you can separate the decision from you, the person, the solution will often appear. Gosh, that's powerful. People can Rewind that and listen to that again. There's the worth the price of admission with Ron Friedman on that one. And it's, I'll tell you, man, as a, and doing this as long as I have, I've seen one of the best gifts parents can give their kids is to see them going after something. Cause I have coached so many people who had parents that didn't, they're the hardest ones to make a step forward because they never were exposed to it. So uh, it's awesome for your daughter. You are listening to The Ziegler Show and my talk with psychologist Ron Friedman about his habits for success. We'll be right back. All right. Last one here, Ron, is just the personal area of life. And you can put this where you want to. The terms I usually lead with are self-care, but I also want to put in play, fun, hobbies, interests. So far, all I know is racquetball. So tell me what you're doing that inspires you that you're having fun with. Try to think of the best way to answer this. I, you know, one of the things that I really love to do at some point in my life is write a novel. And uh, this book, the idea of this book that we talked about in the first show, Decoding Greatness, all about reverse engineering great examples. It is something that I have started to do with movies and books to figure out what is it that resonates with me and how might I apply this formula. And, uh, you know, it's something that I continue to be interested in. I'm not ready to risk it all and spend two years of my life writing a book and hoping that it works out. But it is something that I find inspiring because it's this, it gives me a goal of 
finding enough financial stability that enables me to go and do that thing. So I huh. am not someone who thinks, you know, let me, let me just throw two years at this and hope that it works out. I feel like you, you can't, you, the, the opportunity cost is too great. But if I can do enough to create the systems necessary to free myself up, to give me the time to pursue that next goal, that's something I can do. So that's, that's the thing that's foremost in my mind right now is how do I create that uh, uh, future that allows me to pursue that goal. Fun. Anything that you're doing for fun, what's a given weekend and just some activities, you, family, whatever. Uh, yeah. Uh, driving my kids around. <laughs> That's the answer is uh, between, between T-ball and uh, tennis and piano and dance. If I can get an hour and a half of reading on a weekend, I'm happy. You know, what's the definition of optimism for a parent is walking around with a novel <laughs> on, on the weekend, because that is like the idea that you're going to have time to read is, is often far-fetched. But truly, if I can exercise and I can learn something new and I can be creative in a day, that's a good day. Beautiful, man. Well, hey, this has been a good day because it's been fun connecting with you. You've got my mind going on some stuff. I'm ready to do some reverse engineering, uh, but thanks for letting us have the behind the scenes look uh, at some of this. I, yeah, I appreciate hearing some of the things you've learned in your habits. Ron, thanks again for being with us. Truly my pleasure. Thanks so much, Kevin. Well, friends, I encourage you to connect with Ron Friedman. Uh, you can get his book, Decoding Greatness, How the Best in the World Reverse Engineer Success, wherever you get books. And if you'll bring the receipt of your purchase to Ron at decodinggreatnessbook.com, Ron will give you access to the Reverse Engineering Success Masterclass course. Well, coming up in episode 958, I'm back with Tom Ziegler having a discussion about how we can all better affect change in our lives. And if you're interested and inspired by these shows, I invite you to join us at kevinmiller.co in my Driven to Live community, where we go deeper and talk about what really matters as we strive to become all we can be. Till then, thank you as always for letting me walk with you as we inspire our true performance together.